Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Your comments or ask your questions. 
please keep in mind when we do pull you in, we will identify your call with your area code, and that's the number that you're calling from tonight, and the last four digits of the number, again, the number you are calling from that shows up in our queue, please be prepared to express yourself as quickly and as thoroughly as possible. Hopefully we have some, some people commenting and sharing tonight. So um, to do that, I want to remind you of Butterfly Evolution's concept, that trash can. I think it's time for me to move something else because I've gotten used to, um, I guess, the whole concept of the trash can, baby. So what that is for our new listeners, in order to promote uh, awareness, change, and to help people understand the mind in a better way, just how it keeps up with the things that we have become accustomed to or the mind gets into a routine based on what we do, based on what we don't do and things like that, we ask that you move your trash can, preferably one that you visit frequently, move it from one location to another, and then monitor the number of times you return back to its old location. Um, if you're like me and some of the others who have decided to do this and kind of take this challenge, you will find that you will often go back to where you moved it from. And in doing that, allow yourself to think, what else am I just returning to um, or even doing because I'm accustomed to doing it, it's what I know, I'm comfortable with it, regardless of the fact if it is working or not working for me. It's just simply what I know, and I'm, I'm, I'm okay. This is my comfort zone. And in order to change people, we gotta, we got to be able to move out and from our comfort zone, even some of the people, not telling anybody to, to detach or get people out of their lives. But I tell you, my most significant change came when I was able to detach um, from things and people, and maybe not in the sense of um, relationships, but sometimes we give too much of things we don't have to give at that time, or we take on too many things, um, things that we're not really ready or capable, capable, capable or able to take on. And so sometimes it's, it's okay. It's not sometimes. It is okay to stop and take care of yourself. Um, in fact, I believe that that is the best way to do it, to know who you are, to understand who you are, and be unapologetically you. Now, does that mean we want to stay where we are? Absolutely not. That is all, that's not what I'm saying. But in order to move forward, you have to know where you're coming from. You have to have that starting point. And just be okay with where you are so that you can move from there. Um, so that's what Butterfly Evolution is about. So do that and then let us know if you so desire, you know, how that worked for you. I always like it for those of you who have families, wives, children, um, Share it. Share that concept. Make it a, a family thing. You know, make a chart, put it on the refrigerator, and keep up with who who goes back the most. And uh, maybe sit down and talk about the need for change, um, why and how, and the things that each one of you would like to change and then help each other through that. So that is what Butterfly Evolution is about, just transformation through the process of self-awareness, self-accountability. Um, Rodney, are you on with us? Yes, I am. Can you hear me okay? You hear you just fine. How is it going tonight? 
Oh, life is good. Just got a lot on my mind. I'm ready to let it off. <laughs> it's so funny how we came up with this, you guys. I was just, I was really, um, there's just been a lot going on. Not, not, not really bad stuff, just, just things that I think every now and then I get in my zone to where I take on a lot spiritually. Like my, I just grow weary because of the things I start to see, um, and I, I, I really know it's because I've really been busy. I've been going, 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 seemingly, and and I've not spent as much time as I typically do. Um, for me, that's this is what comes my spirit reading my word. I, I've, I've, I've slacked. Not that I've not read, but I've just slacked a little bit. I've not read as much, and so I always account it to just that sense of peace and being able to take on the things that you see um, going on around you. And so I was struggling, like, what? what is, we weren't on, of course, you know, Rodney last week, we were not on. So I was struggling, like, okay, what in the world are we going to talk about? And I kept, I came up with a few things. I looked back at my list of uh, shows that I have in this little notebook, you know, for those emergency times, I just have a list of things that I could just kind of pull out of the box, so to speak, but it's kind of pull out of the notebook. And none of it just suited me. Nothing seemed to register because all of it did, if that makes sense. It's like everything just kind of hit at once. And so I thought, let's just talk about everything. (laughs) So I sent Rodney a message, and I think he felt the same way because he was like, let's do it. I got a lot to say. And and so much so, he's going to go first tonight. Right, Rodney? Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I don't know if you want to do all that. You asked for it, but but that's how this came about. And apparently, there's a lot of things going on, and, and I feel that we equally, our listeners as well, um, for those of us who are really, I'm going to say, have a passion and a desire for true change, for that, for that, not that surface kind of that that rooted change that we see things, and after a while. It just wears on you. Um, you start to, for me, you just kind of start to feel like, oh, where do we go from here in a sense? What are we doing and what are we not doing? And I'll tell you, for me, you guys, I see, I'll say this, I've had a number of people ask me kind of where are you um, on Facebook. And I'm on, but I'm just not, I don't think I'm as active as uh Maybe I was at, at one point in time, and, and I've shared, shared this on the show, that I literally prayed, prayed, God, let me see, let my eyes see only the things that I need to see. Um, so I, I rarely, I would say I rarely go searching. I rarely scroll down looking for things. So in most cases, if someone does, does not tag me, and even that takes me a minute, but if someone doesn't tag me in it, I'm not going to really see it unless it's there when I sign on. And for me, it's because I started to feel like I'm doing more posting than I'm doing. And I'm getting caught up in these postings, um, and I'm not doing. And we have to start doing. It's okay to post your stuff, to get your likes, uh, to get caught up in the hype, so to speak. I'll say that. But what are we doing? I want to start, I want us to start coming back and posting the things that we're doing so that we can get more involved to stop some of this madness. And that's just kind of how, that's how I want to start it out. And I'm not downing Facebook, but I do think Facebook is is making us less 
responsible and accountable, and somehow we're getting caught up in the hype of it, and we're not doing a lot, and we're missing our passion and our purpose for our things because there's so many things you see and your eyes are going here, your ears are going here. And if, and if you don't know, if, you don't, if you're not grounded in who you are and what your God-given purpose, what you have passion for, you will get lost in the shuffle. And not only will you get lost, so will your, your passion for that purpose. And so that's why I had to kind of fine-tune it, get a tune-up, and kind of remember, remember my baby. What, what, what do I stand for, and what does that consist of? Who, who's in that circle? Because, we, we, of course, we all are, are that body, but I'm, I'm not the whole body. I'm a piece of it that makes make up a whole, and I think that's what we're missing when it comes to our children. We posted things out there today about our kids, and, and right now I don't know where you're going to start. Being a teacher, that may be where you're going to start. But um, I, I really want to dig deep into that because, you guys, they are our future, and from what I see today, sometimes I think we've lost already, and I hate that I feel that way because they are my passion. They are my, my purpose. Um, so I hate that I feel that way. So, um, thank you all for tuning in. I hope that you share, um, your thoughts, your concerns, what you're doing, what you would like to begin doing. Um, Rodney and I both are working on some things together and we're working on some things separately. Um, I, I, I may announce those next week. I've got some, some really good things coming that I'm working on. And I thank God for those. Uh, Rodney has, has the education summit, and he'll talk to you about that. Maybe before we get off, Rodney, we can share some of that as well. But I'm going to turn it over to you and just you give your spiel. And, and if you are ready and prepared to, just go ahead and start out, and I'll, I'll follow your suit. I've been ready since last week when you first told me that we were having this show. And <laughs> good evening to everyone. Uh, sorry I, I, I logged on a little bit late. But uh, <laughs> America has lost its mind, Tammy. America has lost its mind. And maybe America lost its mind a long time ago and is just showing up today. But for some reason, we thought back in November and December that this racial foolishness was over and done with. You had marches popping up everywhere. New York City, Washington, D.C., all the way on the West Coast in Los Angeles. People were shutting down major highways. People were laying out in the middle of the streets, all because of what happened with Michael Brown, what happened with Eric Garner. However, people only did that to draw attention to themselves. People did that looking for five seconds of fame. People did that because they were trying to be noticed. Because when all of the hype wore down, it was back to business as usual. Now we have a man in South Carolina who's dead. Why? Because he was pulled over, decided to run, officer shot him, 
eight times in the back, I believe. But for some reason, we thought that our protest ended all of this racial foolishness. It did not, and it never will. Because it's not just about what you say out of your mouth, but it's also about what you do. And I'm sorry for anyone who doesn't want to hear it, but as long as we continue to disrespect each other, we give other races a wide-open field to do the same. As long as we call each other the N-word, we're telling other people it's okay to call each call us the N-word. As long as we can write songs that make our women out to be nothing but whores, sluts, and anything else, guess what? We are telling the world that it is okay to do the same. And so our judicial system isn't doing us any favors. Why? Because they keep letting these cops off the hook. And if you're a cop, what are you going to think? Oh, well, the last guy got away with it, so I can get away with it too. So not only as a black man do you have to worry about other black men who are trying to take your life over money, over women, over drugs, or just at random, but you have to worry about police officers as well. We need to start setting the example. We need to stop calling each other the N-word. We need to stop sagging our pants. We need to get an education even if we're getting athletic scholarships. The fact that you can throw a football or or you have a mean jump shot is not going to save you in the long run. But what you have in your brain is the key to your success. I don't care how talented you are otherwise. And that's what we need to start preaching. We need to start making parents accountable. We need to we need to not only fight against what we saw in South Carolina, but you know what? When black people get on TV and do ignorant things, we need to speak out against that too. This foolishness has got to stop. This foolishness needs to stop being in front of our children. It needs to stop being on the TV. It needs to stop being on the radio because it's ruining our society. So that's where I want to start at, Damon. Now, Rodney, I mean, great place to start. I can tie that right in, and I can go back to uh, the posting that we put out, uh, a couple of them, actually. But before doing that, I mean, you made me think about um, the awareness and the awakening thing we did here for the for the youth, and we had the police out to talk to the kids. And this was, of course, free, free. Um, and so we didn't have we had we had a number of kids there. Um, I think three parents there, um, but nothing, nothing like what should have turned out. And I and I I know um, we think like you said we get hyped up when there's an opportunity for us to be on the news or get something from it. Um, if we are really concerned about what is going on, the first place to start is with our children. 
especially mm-hmm. with our young young black boys. And as I stood there and listened, and it was fabulous, we had a female police officer and a male police officer. The male police officer uh, shared his thoughts and concerns, and they were both African-American, they were both black. And the male officer shared with us as he was preparing for this that he realized that he had not spoken to his own child, 17-year-old, about what to do if stopped by the police because he knows that he, too, is – he's stopped. He is he, – he, he talked about being stopped in Barbet, um out of uniform, of course, and they, they stopped him because they said that there had been a number of break-ins in the area um, – that he was driving in, and so his response was, and I just so happened to fit that profile, right? And so police are profile. Police are profile. The the mother, the female, uh, she expressed that, I'm a single mom. I have to make it back home. My son is all that I have. So if I have to second guess what you're about to do, you lose. And they were just as, as blunt as that. But what really, really got me was this. They told our, our, our children, and, and I'll say our, our, I love all kids, but these were all black kids at this, at this event, that rules and laws are being created based on what you all are doing. These laws, these rules give us the right to basically do what we want to do. We can approach you, and, 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 and if I want to as a police officer, if I want to have a reason or something to verify my stopping you or arresting you, I can find that reason. And it's not hard to find. In that same um, conversation, they gave us uh, a children's ver- report of, like the crimes committed and who's committing them, white versus black, male versus female, and other. Very alarming, very alarming. And, you know, the kids are sitting in, and I don't know how much they're grasping, but it would have been so great to have parents there that can go back, take this information, and fill their kids with the knowledge needed we won't be able to save everyone who stopped, but I'm right there with you, Rodney. We have to start seeing ourselves as valuable to one another. Parents, you're right. We gotta start holding parents accountable. But Kenny, yes, we Kenny, one of the world. reasons why. I'm not saying this is everyone's reason. So if you call in, you know, if you if you press the number one. Uh, please, please don't twist it around because that's something else that's on my mind and <laughs> how people's words can get so twisted. But one of the one of the issues, Tammy, is that children convenience to their parents. We do not value family anymore in America, and I'm speaking in general. We don't value family anymore, and we have every excuse as to why we cannot raise our children. Tonight when I was in class, uh, the topic came up. We have a guy here in Loudoun County, Virginia, um, which is a couple counties over from me. He's suing the state 
because he feels like teachers' evaluations should be made public, right? There should be a Yelp for teachers because parents should be able to choose whose class they want to whose class they want their child to be in, right? So I said, you know what? I don't have an issue with my evaluation being public. I don't have an issue with that. However, if you're going to make me that accountable, if you're going to put my evaluation out there so whatever positive or negative thing my principal has said about me will will be available for the public, you should make the parents accountable. You should have seen and heard the gestures in that room. It was as if I had said something that was in another language. And it was, I'd like to see how you can make that happen. But see, that's the problem. We want to put all of the blame on teachers. That's the, that's the America that we live in. Let's blame the teachers. We're not going to blame the lawmakers. We're not going to blame the administrators. We're not going to blame the parents. We're going to blame the teachers. So there's no value of family anymore. There's no value of education. It's, there should be a sign at every border of the United States that says, Welcome to America where you have the right to be wrong. Hey Rodney, what what do you when you say inconvenience when you feel that kids are an inconvenience to their parents, um I actually um in preparation for the show was thinking about I don't know if inconvenience but it probably falls into the same uh area that you're talking about. It, to me, it just seems that parents are so not all, again, of course you guys, not all but many parents are so consumed with this world and the popularity of this world and um, the going back and forth. Like, sometimes I just don't understand how, um, where the time, like the, the time that's being put in with some of these kids. Some of the recent occurrences here, crime-wise, in Memphis are just mind-boggling. Because kids have to know by now that there is a camera everywhere. And if there's not, someone is filming. Yet, they are not concerned. So I'm wondering, you're committing these crimes. You're, you're, you're beating people that could be your father. You have to know that someone's filming. Where are you going? Like, after you do that, whose house are you going to? that may just have seen you on the news. Because I cannot imagine having a child that I see reacting, doing the things that I see these kids doing, and then walking through my door. I cannot imagine. And so I have to say that they already know there are no consequences. They already know this. This did not just start. Someone has been missing for quite a while, and I, there's no more excuse to to the point where there's no man in this house. I'm sorry, there's no more excuses for that. Oh, Should you know, I, you know, I, you know, I like that subject. <laughs> I mean, really, because 
we we the excuses have got to go because if it's because of there's no man here, then don't have baby number two because there's not going to be a man now for two mo- two kids now. That I mean, so we that's where the accountability. That's one of my that's one of my things on my mind as well. We probably won't get to everything tonight for sure. But accountability. I mean, simple accountability, and that's why I say be unapologetically you for a minute. But you got to deal with you got to deal with you. You got to know how to get where you're going from where you are. And if you're continually lying to yourself and blaming whether it be the white man, slavery, I'm 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 so sick of hearing about slavery in the sense of an excuse, not to demean it, because. I feel that we do need to address it to a point where it creates unity and understanding and at least the ability to move forward from where we are together. Because I say if people can come through slavery and do something with their lives and make it, then certainly at this day and time, we should be able to do the same. If we pull together and hold first ourselves accountable. By no means, and I'm saying slavery did slavery did a, a deal on us mentally. Okay, but we know that. So we choose life, or do we choose to remain in slavery mentally? So while we're doing that, we're pulling our kids who were, so to speak, so-called, as people would say, born free. Tammy, I'm going to say this, and we have a caller, and then I'll pull our pull our caller in. But you have so many children today. Going back to what I said about children being an inconvenience to their parents, you have so many children today who are starving for attention. They just want somebody to talk to. They want somebody to listen to them. They want to feel like they are loved. They want to feel like they are cared for. And if you can talk to them long enough, they'll tell you that their parents pretty much don't have time for them. However, parents have plenty of time for scandal. They have plenty of time for empire. They can sit for a whole hour and give you a a play-by-play on Facebook and on Twitter what's happening on these shows. But if their children want to do something with them, oh, not right now. Oh, no, I'm too tired. They're always, parents are always looking for babysitters. Spend time with your children. Because like they used to tell us when I was growing up, like they used to say to parents, if you don't talk to your children, somebody in the street is going to, and they are not going to talk to them the way that you would. So you better talk to them before somebody in the street gets to talking to them. If you if you want to, talk, to to share your love and to talk to your daughter like a lady as a father, you better do it. Because I can tell you one thing, there's going to be a man in the street who's going to talk to her, but he ain't going to talk to her the way that she should be talked to, and that's going to be all she knows and all she's looking for is some attention. And if the first uh, hey, it's the first hey, person who showed some attention, huh? Before before you pull the call in, I want to share one thing with you. Before you go ahead, but before you pull the call in, I want to share one thing with you and our audience before we do that. 
<laughs> but you, you you should be that you should be that person communicating to your children. And I was having a conversation with Tamari. By the way, we had a lovely weekend together. Uh, we went to a, uh, one of her friend's wedding yesterday. It was just a great time, hilarious wedding. I'll tell you about that time uh, another another day. But we were talking, I think it was yesterday or either Saturday, and I was pretty much explaining to her that, like, when I was when I was married, I married somebody. I was 22. My ex-wife was 33. She had three kids. Three, there were three, eight, and 13 when we got married. Those kids were my life. The only thing I did other than spend time with those kids was go to work up until, like, the last of my marriage when I started going back to school. Other than that, it was all about those kids. I made sure that they did their homework. I made sure that they ate good every day. I cooked for them every single day. I made sure that they had everything that they needed. I took them to church. We would talk about different things. I mean, you name it, I did it. I was a father on his job. Even when it came time for them to do chores, I would do the chores with them whenever I, whenever I could. <clears throat> I did the chores with them. You wash the dishes, I'll dry them and put them away. And that meant something to them because I was always there. And so while they thought I was crazy and strict, they knew that they could always come to me. They knew that they could always talk to me. They knew I was going to always be fair, even though I had rules. But after a while, when they went from Bs and Fs to As and Bs and started being invited to all of these camps and everything, it was, oh, that's why he has these rules. Children may not like your way of parenting in the beginning, but they will learn to appreciate it. Stop trying to be your child's friend. Step up and be their mother or be their father. Mm-hmm. Or just stop having them all together. Right, right. I want to share this. I received a call, and this was about two weeks ago. Well, I think a text, I'm sorry. It initially came by way of text. And it was about 1040, 40-ish, 1045 or so from a young girl. Um, and initially I, I missed it, but I got it maybe about 30 minutes later. And I thought, it's rather And all it said was, are you up? And I thought, this is rather late for you to, you know, text, are you up? Um, and so I text back, what's going on? Um, and before the young girl could could reply, I kind of already knew that, yes, yeah, she's her parents. She's going through something with her parents. And so I was already te- texting back, and I, my text went through uh, before getting hers. And I basically said, you're going to have to trust that your parents um, – love you, uh, you may not always agree with what they say, what they do, but they love you, and so be it. That's kind of how that went. But she came back again and said, how can they love me? They don't even know me. And I text back, why do you say that? What do you mean they don't know you? She said, we never talk. All I do is sit in my room. I stay on my computer. They don't know me. And this is a seventh grader, mm. seventh grader. Mm. And mm-hmm. that conversation ended up being, because um, she ended up coming over. I ended up getting her that same night. 
And I basically, her dad wasn't going to let her come, but I basically said, she's reaching out, you better let her talk to somebody. If she's reaching out to talk, then you just need to sit that pride aside and let her talk. And so she came over and we talked to about 1.30, well, after 1.30 that morning. But my point is this, Rodney, you are so right. And, and we as parents are so consumed and so caught up in making the next dollar not really to get the things that we need, the basics. It's all the extras. It's all the worldly things. It's all the things that we really can do without and that is costing us more than we will ever be able to pay for. It's not that we have to work like dogs for the basics or the things that we need, even our children. If you if you give your child a relationship with a conversation, the time that you just finished talking about, if we as parents begin to do this, children will change. You can keep the stuff that you're trying to pacify them with in order to escape your time and your love and your discipline. I don't want to not put that in there because yes, you should be disciplined too. They should your children should be angry with you sometimes. Most of the time, they should, but but believe me, when they get angry and know that you love them, that anger that anger does not stay. And if it does, they'll get over it really quick. So let's pull in our have, yeah, let's pull in our caller. All right. From area code, you, you got it, Tammy. Go ahead. Go ahead. I didn't know you were. Area code four zero four last. Four digits are one zero three seven. Thank you so much for holding on, caller. We know you got something to say. Go ahead. Hey, how you doing? Um, you... What's Can up, you hear me? You have a lot of yeah, things. A little bit of an echo. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yes, sir. Okay. Hey, right now, how you doing? Hey, Tammy, how you doing? Good. How are you? Mm-hmm. Blessed today. I'm okay. Just been sitting here uh, listening to you and Rodney um, talk about uh, what's going on in society today. And um, I have a few things that I would like to add to that, if that's okay. Yes, sir. Okay. What I first want to say is um, the issue today uh, dealing with a lot of the young kids is that you have parents that the enjoyment comes from making the kids. Let me say that again. They get the enjoyment out of doing what it takes to make the kid. But once the kid is here, that enjoyment is gone because now you have to become a provider for that kid. Does that make sense to you, what I just said? Makes sense. It makes sense to me, I mean, you, I mean, you hear all the time, you know, I, I mean, I, you hear all the time, I hear girls uh, in my study group uh, at the, uh, the uh, class that I teach, and you hear them all the time talk about how this guy is that and how this guy is that. So it's a lot of enjoyment in doing those things that could potentially make a child. But then once the child gets here, 
girl, I need somebody to watch my baby because I want to go out and this, that, and the other. About. It's no more about the child. Then. It's no more about what, what happened to get the child here. It's about getting rid of the child so I can keep doing what I want to do. So, therefore, there's nobody, there's nobody to raise that child or to give that child structure or to teach that child what it is to be uh, uh, an individual who's going to be a, a stand-up type of person or a respectable, responsible person. There's nobody to do that. And then a lot of the parents that are parents, when they were their kid's age, they were rebellious to their parents that tried to teach them those same moral values. So how can you teach your child something that you didn't learn? So it's kind of like the blind leading the blind. Come on, Ray Charles. My name's Stevie Wonder. Let's go. Everybody going <laughs> to fall off in a ditch. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah, you better preach that thing, bro. And that's and that's where that's where that's where everything gets to be turned upside down. You know? Hey, Bo. Like, Bo, this is Tammy. Yeah. I have a question for you. When, when is one okay. um, when is one responsible and accountable for no longer being blind, though? Because at some, I mean, really, we can all say that that we have a reason, and that's what I meant by the slavery and. And, and getting caught up because we all have we all have a past we all have strongholds we all have bondage but when is one accountable especially and, and this is this is this is for me I'm gonna tell you what did it for me was having that child having becoming a mother changed my life I refused I I totally refused by any means necessary and I meant any to raise a child that was mentally enslaved, that was truly in bondage. On the flip side of that, I created a little monster in the sense of Brandon thinks that there is nothing he cannot do. He really, really does. I'm grateful. I'd rather he think that than to limit himself. But I had to take off those those, those blinders. I had to take them off. I was responsible for that. I could no longer say, well, I have a right to feel like this. I, I, I lost my grandmother. I had to move and, and, and move into a situation where uh, domestic violence was, was was every weekend. I mean, I had every reason. I can keep going on and on and on. I had every reason to keep the blinders on. But I knew that if I did, then this child that I cared for nine months and I birthed and I came, became responsible for, would find himself lost, just like I felt when I found out that I was carrying him. But I said, oh, no, by any means necessary. So when are we responsible to no longer be blind? Okay, I want, I want to say this, Tammy. For you, for you, and what I mean by for you, that's what it took for you. You know, you're, you're your own individual. You're unique in your purpose. Um, that experience opened your eyes. Some people, unfortunately, aren't as adapted as you are. Some people, it takes tragedy, sad to say. It takes tragedy for them to open their eyes. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people don't believe boo-boo stink until you put their face in it, you know? I mean, like the old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. You can talk until your face turn brown, green and purple. You know what I mean? A lot of people don't listen until it actually hits home. Once it strikes home, 
Then they want to cry, oh, Lord, I should have listened, or I should have did this, or I should have did that, you know. And that's the thing about, you know, our culture, you know what I'm saying? We always talking about what we could have, would have, should have. But then you got the white man on the other side, they ain't saying could have, would have, should have. They doing it, you know what I mean, by any means necessary. You know, like take, for instance, all these children of the black unarmed teenagers and, and youth going on right now. If we were doing that to, to their side, if that was happening from us to them, it would have been something done about it. You know what I mean? But we don't stick together for the right things. We don't come together as a whole for the right thing. We have more backbiting against each other than we do standing up for the rights of, of, of each other. We're the, we're the majority in the United States, but then we act like we're the minority because of separation amongst ourselves, not the segregation of the white man, but separation of ourselves. You know, you, mm. go to, you go to a black neighborhood, you got blacks against blacks calling themselves Crips, Bloods, uh, 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 gangster disciples, uh, folk lords, uh, uh, nation folk. You know, so you got uh, you got all these different gangs in these neighborhoods, and they're all black, and they're fighting against each other for the wrong thing, for, for a street corner that doesn't belong to nobody but the city of, of Atlanta. <laughs> You're going to kill me about a street corner where you and your boys hang out at. But when we can get together and kill all the democracy going on against black people, you understand me, in a whole. So the minds are reprobated already from the beginning, the onset. And, you know, that's what I do with Tighten Up Ministries. I try to talk to the youth to let them know that it's already biased. You know what I'm saying? When you add to it, you just tilt the scale. There's no way for us to win if we don't pull together some kind of way. But as long as Michael Jordan keeps selling sneakers for $200, $300, you understand what I'm saying? And this brother over here who's trying to get an education can't afford and one out of Payless shoe store, and he's still being picked on, you're going to have that because ain't nobody trying to step up and stand up for what's right. It's not about what you buy your kid. It's about how you deal with what you have. It's about the responsibility of what it took to get that what you have, and you hold on to it and you cherish it. And and, and 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 you and you go from there. But in the but in the inner cities, man, it's so much black on black crime. Till you know, it's, it's ridiculous. And then it's always a cover up. It's always a reason why a black kid was shot who was unarmed. Eighty percent of them never get convicted. Hey, Bo, this is, this is Rodney, and one of the things that I've been talking about ever since the South Carolina video, uh, the, the South Carolina situation, is this. We, we've been told that this man has been charged with murder because there was a video. But as I posted on the events page, there was a video in the Eric Garner case. However... Exactly. And that man is free today, and he was free right. during that situation. This guy put on Facebook um, a couple of weeks ago, maybe maybe last week. It was last week because this situation is different. It was last week. And he said, y'all better wake up. He said, if y'all think that the only reason why this man is in the trouble that he's in behind a video then you then you are sadly mistaken. The whole thing is this, and this was just his perspective, so I'm going to share it out on the air. The whole thing is this: 
they've done enough wrong that now every blue moon they're going to find somebody like this guy down in South Carolina that they're going to make him look really bad just so that just so that they can say, well, y'all can't say the system is flawed. Y'all can't call us racist because we prosecuted this guy. The right. system, the system, if you pay attention, the system is flawed. The system is still screwed up. Of course. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. And and, and yesterday on Twitter, <laughs> this lady called me ignorant. Lady called me ignorant. And I said, you know what, this conversation is over because no one who knows me would ever call me ignorant. I said, furthermore, I'm not a protester, not when it comes to all of this stuff. I said, right is right and wrong is wrong. So I'll speak on it. But I'm not going to speak on it because I'm some angry black man. No, no, no. I have an issue with racism. But I also have an issue with my own people and the things that we do to each other. So don't call me ignorant or, or try to make it seem like I'm a bandwagon. So that 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 I am not. I have an issue Ronnie, with the things that we do to each other, and I have an issue with what other people do to our race. The two are totally different. Racism is racism. But I want to say something to you. Right? Yeah, they finally okay, go got ahead. one. You know what? That's true. They finally got one. But tell me this. Michael Brown from Ferguson is dead today. He's dead because he looked demonic and he was reaching for the officer's weapon. Ain't nobody talking about the white family, the large white family. It was a whole bunch of them in Arizona last week who attacked the police officers, took their took their gun. They actually took the gun and shot the police officer in the leg. Tased the police officers and everything before the there were finally enough officers to get them under control. How is it that they didn't end up dead? One of them did and that was it. Nobody. Right. And you know How what Ronnie, I just want to say this. Because I, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, it's, it it is a, it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? You paint a pink pony and put him in the corner, he's still a pink pony. You know what I mean? Um, just just yesterday, you know what I mean, uh the Eric the Eric Harris case. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Um, but they had uh in Tulsa, Oklahoma, they had a seventy year old guy who some folks say that he wasn't even a police officer, but he had police officer hours invested. He's seventy years old. He used to be a police officer back in nineteen sixty nine. So now he was just like like a security uh, officer slash police officer that they use from time to time or whatever the case may be. Now they're trying to make it clean it up and say that, well, he was a guy that would, you know, just come around to help the police out on uh, stakeouts and, you know, sweeps and stuff like that. Well, anyway, what happened was this kid, you know, um, they was raiding or something, and he broke and he ran. And they ran him down, and one of the officers put a knee on the kid's head and he was tussling trying to get the officer off of him because he said he he couldn't he couldn't catch his breath well the 70 year old guy grabbed the sidearm 
said, I'm going to get my taser. They got a video on it. He said, I'm going to get my taser. He pulled out this taser, what he thought he said was a taser, and it was his handgun, and he shot the dude in the back. When he shot him in the back, the kid on the ground said, man, you shot me. Mm. And he was looking stunned, like, wow, you know what I mean? I, I did shoot him, you know? And then the officer who had the knee on the head, the kid said, yo, man, he said, man, I can't breathe, man. He said, man, I can't get no air. I can't breathe. I can't catch my breath. And you know what the officer said to him while he had me on the on the on the kid's head? He said, F your breath. And it and it didn't mean forget either. And this is all on video. So just okay. tonight through CNN, they just uh charged the guy with second degree murder because they said he mistakenly shot him in the back. Man, there's a big difference between a taser gun and a hand sidearm gun. There's a big difference. They don't even feel the same. Mm-hmm. But they're going to chalk that up as a mistake to give him a lesser charge because he is 70 years old. But they did charge him. You know what I mean? But who did they charge him? That doesn't mean that he's going to be found guilty of anything. But they charged yep. him with the lesser charge that you could charge a person with for taking someone's life. That kid is dead today. He's gone. And you know what? Over an accident. All of that on video. They got all of that on video, right, Bo? Exactly. But that, but that video. But that video ain't being talked about. That video ain't being pushed. No. And that just happened. That just happened. Look it up. His name's Eric Harris. You know. I'm. I, you know, and I. And I well, I didn't see that, but I didn't yeah. know the young guy. But I did. I did hear and and. Hear a bit, a little bit about it, but I did not know he he did die. What was interesting is that he even died. though he, knew he shot this young man, and he says by mistake, is the manner in which they addressed him after he had been shot. He, he, they they literally put their knee into his head. They didn't go to yeah. to what to do to save this young man. And I didn't know it was a young kid, so I didn't go deep into that one um, for whatever reason. But I did not know that he died. You, you, you sharing that? Just, I just found that out. Yeah, he died. Kid died, man. And and he told him, man, I can't catch my breath, man. I can't catch my breath. That's why he was struggling because it was so many of them tackled him, and the dude put his knee on his head to try and to get the other officer to put handcuffs on him. But he was struggling to get the guy's knee off of his head. And the other dude stood up and grabbed the, thought what he said was his taser, and he shot him with his firearm in the back. And the boy died. When he, after he shot him, you hear the boy say, man, you shot me. And he said, man, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. So I guess when he hit him in the back, he hit him in his lung because he couldn't hit air. So, and he sort of collapsed his lung. Right. So he's telling the officer, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't get no He said, I can't catch my breath. The officer with his knee on his head said, F your breath. That's what he told him. And this kid died. Now, it don't, I ain't no Einstein. You know what I mean? I don't have a 10 plus IQ or whatever you want to call it. But to me, that was de- that was de- really dehumanizing. You know what he did to him? That was really, really, I mean, the bottom of the barrel treated him like an animal. You know? And to me, it was like they wanted to kill him. That's what it looked like to me, you know. But like I said, that's that's one out of all these many that has that have, that is going on, man. Like the boy here in Atlanta, man, was butt naked. They shot and killed him. He didn't pose a threat. He didn't have a weapon. 
but they shot and killed him. He was butt naked. He was having mental problems. You know, this is what's going on, man. You know, it's got us. When is it going to stop? But yet, and still, you know what I mean, we can sit here and go against each other when these people are eliminating us, man, like, like roaches and rats, man. Like, we don't mean, we don't matter, we don't mean nothing. You know, that's the part that bothers you. But it starts, it starts at home. It hey, starts with an hey, upbringing. Hey, Mo and Terry, this is Rodney and, uh, and Mo, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in here real quick. And I'm going to say this, and I'm so glad you said the last thing you said. It starts at home. We cannot expect, as as a black person, and I'm so glad Tammy said what she said. Stop using slavery as, a, as an excuse. Stop using segregation as an excuse. Because we don't understand what the word struggle means. We don't know what it's like to be called the N-word while somebody's spitting in your face. We don't know what it's like to be in a school with old run-down, you know, buildings, textbooks outdated, walking miles to try to get an education or being murdered because you're trying to learn how to read and write. We don't know the struggle. And that's part of the problem. And I mentioned this in my books. We were just fine. And we might lose some callers, Tammy, but you know I'm going to say it. I already know what you're going to say. Just, Go ahead and we, we can lose. We'll gain more. We were just fine before we got rights. We were together. We were, we were a family. We united. There was none of this garbage coming from our race. And then, all of a sudden, we get right, and we lost our mind. All of a sudden, there was no the the the, the village collapsed. There was no more. I'm gonna look out for you. And your family, I'm going to look out for your kids We're going to sing and Have a good time We're going to entertain each other We're going to come together There was none of that Once we got right So if you ask me We're in a much Worse state Because we have rights That our ancestors didn't have Because see they understood The struggle, they knew the struggle and that's why they fought so hard. We don't fight now because everything is handed to us. We don't fight now. We don't want to work because we can stay on welfare for 20 years. So now I'm chilling. I'm independent. You got to depend on somebody. I don't care who you are. Why are our families broken? Because we allow them to be broken. And going back to it, Jamie, I th- you know I love that topic. Stop blaming everything on these men. You know what? If your child has a sorry father, it's because you laid down with a sorry man. And some of y'all women laid down with a sorry man more than once and had more than one child with the same sorry man. And then that wasn't good enough. 
you decided you were going to raise a sorry man. So now that's another burden on society. Now some other young woman got to deal with this sorry man that you raised, and it's just a vicious cycle. Stop doing it. If your son's father isn't there, okay. But raise up your son to be a productive member in society. Raise up your son to be responsible. Raise up your son to be accountable. Raise up your son to be a man. Raise up your son to be a father, a husband. Raise him up to be that way and stop this vicious cycle. Maybe you won't live to see these good things. Martin Luther King fought for things that he never got to experience. Guess what? It didn't stop him. Jesus fought to save everybody's life. Guess what? People still talking about he he ain't real. You still got atheists. Even if you don't get to enjoy I tell you one thing, I don't have any kids, Tammy and Bo. I don't have any kids. I'll tell you one thing. When me and Tamaria have some, one of these good old days, people can be like, boy, where do you come from? And I'm going to tell, tell, tell the people from all my daddy's mistakes because he made a whole lot of them. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, did I just hear him say when, when me and Tamaria have some? Oh, do we need to change the topic here? <laughs> Now, I got to die that little. We can change the topic whatever you want. Cause I, and, and here's what I was going to say. I'm sorry. I, I got off topic. But here's what I was going to say to both. No, no, no. Waiting on a wedding. That's why I said I'm waiting on a wedding. Hadn't been in a wedding in a very long time. I'm waiting. <laughs> okay. Now, now you're really throwing me off. Okay. Here, here's, the fun, here's the funniest thing, David. So, so I was getting out of my car about to walk into my class tonight. And for some reason, I thought about. You know, uh, you know, the the whole wedding. You know, me and Tamara get married. Like it crossed my mind, and I said, you know what? I got to invite Bo, man. <laughs> I got to invite Bo and Latoya, man. I got because <laughs> Bo, because Bo, Bo, Bo is unofficially a part of the show. You know. <laughs> yeah, and, and you, you know, they have an album coming out on I know I'm Hey, look, but, but, but let me say this real quick. Let me say this real quick. The, going back to Bo's point, the Kentucky player who didn't think when they lost their first game, they were 38-0 and lost to Wisconsin, and they were mad and upset. Here's why we can't move forward, Bo. He didn't, that player didn't think any, one of them twins didn't think that anybody was listening to him. So on his breath, he called the white player from the other team the end group. That's why we can't uh, can call it. Using the word. Tell me, we have another we have another caller too. Uh, you want me to go ahead and pull the caller in? Uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's do that for sure. All right. Uh, we're going to pull Bo out of queue for just one minute, and uh, we're going to get our next caller in here who's calling from area code 330. Last four digits are 4094. Caller, you are on the air. How's everybody? This is uh, Henry. Hey, hey, what's hey, up, man? 
So I'm going to, I just want to call in real quick and give my two cents. Some was, my phone was malfunctioning. I couldn't get get the call through. Uh, I, I kind of want to go back to what I was talking about as far as it all starts in the home. Yes, sir. And I think I think that what the problem is, <clears throat> maybe we're not what we're not looking at, maybe possibly, is we have a communication breakdown and a serious, uh, inaccurate de- uh, definition of terms. So what I mean by that is, <clears throat> it could be possible that a lot of these people out here think that they are being good parents, because if if your definition of a good mama is a person that takes care of all my babies without my daddy, you know, or or I take care of my own kids and I don't need a man, or if the reason, you know, when you see a a, a, a lady let her children sit in front of and watch Scandal and all these different things, well, that's who I want my daughter to grow up and be like. So to her, that's not bad television. To her, that's very educational, and I hope you grow up and be just like Kerry Washington. See, so so I think we have a, a, a definition of terms as, you know, as to how we would have defined parenthood, family, husband, wife, back in the 60s and then in the 70s and then in the 80s. I think it's going to be a little tweak every 10 years, and it just got completely out of hand. Uh, I, I think that um, when you said, I agree with the statement when you said that we kind of lost our minds when we got rights because, when we got rights, I know we weren't programmed or taught, I should say, to think of it this way. But when we got rights, all we were really, and the reason that we lost a lot of things like family and togetherness and unity and so on and so forth, even the willingness and the desire to build among ourselves, was because when we got rights, all we really got was the permission to fully step under the umbrella of white supremacy to be able to do things their way and the answer to everything according to how they dictated it to us. That's what we were really fighting for because that's, you're not going to come into a white man's territory and run things. So he said, well, I'll let you into my territory, but you've got to do things exactly as I say. Whereas before that, we were doing our own thing and we were making our own way. <clears throat> you know, we were using the skills that we had. Um, and then lastly, i like to say that when we talked about Eric Garner, or no, sorry, uh, uh, Michael Brown, these people are always talking about how he went for the gun. He went for the officer's gun. Well, anybody with common sense knows that if somebody is has a gun on you right in your face and he pulls it out, you're going to go for that gun because you're trying to turn the barrel of the gun away from you so that you don't get shot. But they're going to make it look like he went, like he dove into the car and went for the, the gun that was in the officer's holster and tried to pull it out and shoot him. I don't think that's the way it happened. I think that the gun came out, and Michael Brown was very close, and that gun was, like, right in his face, and so he grabbed the gun like anybody, like any sane person would. They say that Trayvon Martin was guilty because he was pounding uh, a Zimmerman's head into the, into the pavement, and, and, and he was out crying out for his life. But, see, what they sort of realize is if you are on top of somebody and you're fighting, he's getting the best of you. All right, I'm I'm throwing down pull up blows. You got two hands if you're defending yourself. If I put if I drop one of my hands and reach behind my back to grab my gun, I'm sacrificing my defense. Of course you're gonna take blows to the face. And rightfully so, because if I'm fighting you and I got you down and I see you reach behind your back, I know you're going for some kind of weapon. My only choice now is to knock you out before you get it 
will take control of it once you pull it out. But see, they're going to make it look. He's, but Zimmerman said he went for my gun. Of course he went for your gun. He's trying to keep from getting shot. But it's the way you present these things. The media is a terrible, terrible weapon that has been used to form us. Rap music, all these different things, has created these definitions for us. And that's what I just wanted to add. Okay. We have awakened America. <laughs> I see we I see another number I see another number out there and I'm just waiting for them to press the number one. They know who I'm talking to as well. I'm just waiting for them to press number one. Because they always have something good to offer to the people. I hope they do. Um, wow, a lot said, Henry, and, and a great deal of it. I, I, I understand what you're saying and, and from what angle you're coming from. But I, I must say this, I, I, and, and I don't know, I cannot wrap my head around, and, and I wish I could find out why. Like, why can I – I just cannot see – Oh gosh, I'm gonna say this. I cannot see how um, people can mistake the type of parenting we're talking about tonight. Like, I I, I know when I was being a bad parent. I, I just think we give people an excuse when we don't say, you know what, you need to get your ish together. You are screwing this kid up. As a matter of fact, you screwed your own life up. Sometimes we just need to hear that and stop riding around the corner back and forth. I call it pushing footing with these words, playing with words. Make pe- let them know, still love them, and still be there for them. But most time when you tell somebody, and I'll use this example because I don't have to use anybody. Let's just say someone owes you some money. Y'all play this game for weeks. They haven't paid you back. They're spending, they're going on trips, you getting pissed off, you mad because they're doing this, and you know they know you, they owe you money. So you getting pissed off, but you never say anything to this person. But once you do, when you decide to get enough, um, <laughs> you decide to say what you need to say, excuse me, y'all, this person does one or two things. Or maybe, or both, I'll say this. They get pissed off at you, but they pay you your money. They pay you your money, and they they, they might stick around. But the end result is you, you speaking up says to them, I'm not, I'm not going to let you play with me. You owe me money, and you are going about doing your thing, and because I stay in my silence for the sake of what? Who knows? Because back in the day, I played that game. I don't play with the words anymore. I'm either with you or I'm not. Period. It don't mean I don't love you, but you either you either gonna add to my life or you're not. If you don't want to hear the truth, get away from me. My own mama told me a few weeks ago, "You are not my little Tammy." I said, "Thank God, I am not. <laughs> Never will be again." So she sometimes don't want to hear the truth, but I, it, it, it is what it is. I want the truth from you, and you need. You need to be expecting it from me. And I think we need to stop playing with people. If somebody thinks that they want their daughter to grow up to be, I don't know her name, scandal, then we need to tell her, you screwed up. You are screwed up. 
And you're probably going to get exactly what you want. Make them think about what, what it is that they want. Because if, if, if it ain't right, it just ain't right. It, is a, it either is or it ain't. That's what I'm saying. It is what it is. This is it. So what do you, what do, you do when the girl really wants to be like Kerry Washington? I mean, I think I think that, you know, we have our own personal perspective from where we're coming from, and we can see the error and, how, and we can see all the madness. But after you get born into a couple, three, four generations of that madness, where your, where your grandmother was a diva, okay, we can't relate to that. But your grandmother is still out in the club. Your grandmother would take your man and have sex with him. This is, these are the people that are around them to give them that feedback that, baby, you're on the right track. Don't let no man do this and this and this. And as long as you keep the this and this, this, you can always have some money. If you always got a vagina, you can always have some money. This is this is what the grandmothers are telling the daughters now. So we didn't. They don't have that wholesome teaching. So when a person like one of us comes along and says, "Hey, you know, you really screwing your life up and this and this and this," you are such an outside foreign voice. I'm not saying that we shouldn't tell them that, but that might be the reason why I don't register and they continue on their merry way because you're like one of the few people that's saying this. Versus all the other people who was doing it. <clears throat> hey, this is Rodney. Uh, I'm I'm very interested to see uh, to hear what this person has to say. So give me one second. I'm going to bring this call in real quick, and then I want to get both back in on this conversation too. Uh, area code nine five four last four digits are three three two seven. You are on the Butterfly Evolution show. Hey y'all, you you know who it is. <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, How's everybody? <laughs> hey, Henry. Hey, um, you got two conversations, in my opinion, going on at the same time. Uh, so, if you don't mind, I want to take one at a time. Uh, first conversation is kids. Or, or is uh, Henry brought up a uh, the argument? Hey, this problem is generational. The great grandmother, you know, if she had bad morals, values, and ethics, and that's what you're talking about is morals, values, and ethics. If she had bad morals, values, and ethics, she had no choice but to pass that education down to her child, and then that person passed it down to their child. But I think we have to uh, recognize that these generational problems can be ended you know people can be re-educated just because your mother your father your grandmother grandfather great mother grandfather were one way doesn't mean that once you are born you can't be re-educated another way now if you grow up uh, to a certain age I agree. You tend to get stuck in your ways because by the time you're seven years old, your basic personality is set unless some traumatic situation comes along to change you. But uh, with unlimited education, we have figured out how to re-educate people who are beyond age seven years old. The older you get, the harder it is to re-educate you. But nevertheless, uh, there, some people can be re-educated once they get older uh, with the proper morals, values, and ethics. And we can't forget that. People have brains that uh, can adapt, improvise, and overcome 
whatever they've been, you know, whatever bad habits they've been taught before. Now, you have to have certain techniques and uh, concepts in order to do that, and we've developed those. I won't get into it all right now, but I just want everybody to understand, don't think that the frame of mind that people have can't change. It can. And if you want to re-educate a society, you re-educate as many adults as you can, and however many you are able to re-educate, they all need to join together and re-educate as many children as possible because children are moldable. Adults aren't as moldable as children are. But when the children, child comes out of the womb, you can teach that child anything you want to. That is the time to teach the proper morals, values, and ethics so that you raise a new generation uh, of children who make the proper decisions. And by the proper decisions, I'm switching gears here, I mean – if it's 2 o'clock in the morning, um, you ought to know better than to be riding around with your music blasting with a hoodie on, uh, smoking a blunt uh, in a neighborhood that's known to be a crack neighborhood. You know the police are going to pull you over. You know you have made a bad decision, and it's because you've got bad morals, values, and ethics. Now, here's what happens. I think we tend to blame everything on race. It's not all about race. There are some racist police officers, but the overwhelming majority of them, I suspect, are not racist. Mm-hmm. Um, they come to work, and they don't have intentions on going out and shooting a black man. They come to work to make a difference. The problem is they get assigned to a bad neighborhood, and over time they get to see the worst of that neighborhood because they only get called when something bad happens. So they rarely see anything good. Every time they get called, they interact with bad people, and they tend to all look the same because you're assigned to the same community. They all look like young black men with a hoodie riding around uh, with their music blasting. It's rap music, a certain type of car, a certain type of rims, and if you're walking on the street, your pants are sagging. Unfortunately, over time, you begin to, even though you're not a racist, you begin to buy into the prejudicial um, stereotypes because this is who you deal with every day, and every time you deal with one of them, it's a bad situation. So sooner or later, you start to develop a frame of mind that, uh uh-oh, it's 2 o'clock in the morning, this guy's standing on the corner with his pants sagging, and he's got a hoodie on. You know, I recognize that as a bad situation, so I profile that guy. Hey, now, when I go over to a – that's wrong. I'm not saying it's right. Hey, hey, Dale, this is, I got a yeah. quick question Wait, for you. Uh, I, I do, too. I want to I wanna, – before he goes any further, because I want to make something that you just said, that every time the police – according to, to what you said, I think you were saying that the police looks at it every time I spot this person, it's a bad situation. I think they project it to be a bad situation and that not every time it is, but because they presume it to be, that it's going to be because, like you said, they, most of them have bought into this system that we uh, – this is a lifestyle for us. It's one thing Brandon says, Mom, you guys don't know. When we make a mistake that the police mm-hmm. and everybody else sees this as a lifestyle where a, a child of another race, oh, he just made a mistake. And we have to work to change that because I don't think every child of, of color that is pulled over 
is a bad situation. I think it is made to be. Well, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I I was saying. What I was saying is we don't call the police uh, because we're having a party. Hey, you know, we need an officer. We're over here having a good time. You know what I mean? My son just graduated high school. Could we have a police officer over to my house, please? That's not when we call the police. We call the police. Somebody just broke my window. You know, we call the police. I just saw some guy running down the street waving a gun. Uh, There's some kids outside selling dope. You know, this is when we call the police. The police, they don't come to, they don't see a whole lot of good. You know, they see much more bad. And, and, and every time they see something bad, if they're in the same community, that person looks the same. You know, it's that stereotypical person, that young black male uh, with his pants sagging. You know, every time I get a call of somebody selling drugs, that's what that guy looks like. So sooner or later, we're creatures of habit. So we begin to stereotype. We don't mean to, but over time, we begin to. So now, when I see this guy over here, he's riding down the street, music blasting, 2 o'clock in the morning. It's rap music. He's got the big rims, the big 24s, blah, blah, blah. If I am either a black or a white cop, it doesn't matter what color you are, but your adrenaline starts to pump when you pull this person over because you know it's 2 o'clock in the morning. You know what neighborhood you're in. You could, you see all the the normal stereotypes. So before you even interact with this guy, your adrenaline is already rushing because on a normal basis, that's the stereotype of a bad person. And the person who gets pulled over, he watches the news. He knows that he's about to get pulled over in the middle of the night by a police officer that might shoot him. So his adrenaline starts rushing. So there's an escalation occurring before those two even talk to each other. Does that make sense? Yep, and, and, and here's what I was here's what I was gonna say. Uh, that that makes that that makes sense, uh, uh, Dale. But here's the problem with that, um, and, and I agree with everything that you're saying. The problem is, take a guy like me, and I recently uh, did a blog like this on WordPress.com, and it's called. Uh, what makes me different? A note from a young black male school teacher. The problem with that is this. I usually dress up when I go to work, and I'm just a school teacher, and most males um, don't dress up in the manner in which I do. I'll wear slacks or I'll wear a suit. I'll wear a shirt, tie, blazer, whatever. I'm, I'm... uh, I, I look like I'm going to church rather than rather than rather than school, right? Because you, you, you're not used to seeing males, you know, in a suit or in a shirt tie and a blazer to go and teach. But anyway, so if you see me at school and the people who see me at work every day, kids and staff members, that's what they're used to, and they know me as that Mr. Jordan. The problem comes in when I'm walking to my friend Luke's house a couple of blocks away, I don't look like the same guy. When I when I have on my sweatpants, my tennis shoes, and my black hoodie, one could argue I look like Trayvon Martin. These police mm-hmm. officers 
these police officers don't know me. A lot of the people mm-hmm. in my in my neighborhood, they don't know me. So if an officer sees a guy who looks like Trayvon Martin, guess who he's probably going to treat me as? Trayvon Martin. And I had, a, I had an incident because I drive for Uber part-time. For those of you who don't know what that is, it's a, it, it's a uh, that's what they describe it as a taxi service. So I drive for Uber part-time. Well, a few a few weeks ago, I was at the Pentagon. There was a metro station at the Pentagon that you can't get to. You have to walk to that metro station. I didn't know what the case of was. I didn't know what dropped my passengers off. So me being the, the good citizen I try to be, you know, I, I see a police car driving in my direction. I try to uh, I stop this police officer and trying to get direction from him. He gets nasty and starts talking all of this stuff. And I'm like, wait a minute. This is what I'm thinking in my head because I'm not going to say anything to you because I don't know what you're going to do. The fact that you bothered to get nasty with me when I'm just trying to get directions. But I understand because guess what? When I'm driving most of the time, I don't have on a shirt and die. And I honestly believe, and this can never be proven because the situation is over, that man may have tried something if I didn't have witnesses of a different race sitting in the back seat. So, so yeah, it, if you, two things there. That officer could have been a racist. He may not have been. He may have been one of these officers who he was probably a racist. Let's let's let, you know. It sounds like to me because all you were doing was asking for direction, you know. And he probably looked at you and said, you know, and judged you. You know what I mean? He was a judgmental type person. He looked at you, sized you up as uh, you know somebody he could talk down to. That's probably what happened in that particular situation. But we have to realize, I think, for the safety of our young children, our young black men especially. Well, you have to realize that the stereo- if you don't want to get pulled over by a cop, you know, you can't look like the typical stereotype of a, of, of, the, of a person who's going to commit a crime, number one. Now, I know the argument to that is we shouldn't have to watch how we're dressed. I agree with that. But safety first. Safety first. Uh, whoever's out there listening to this show you know, teach your children how to look respectable and, and where to be and how to be, where not to be and when. You know what I mean? Don't be out there 2 o'clock in the morning with your pants sagging, you know, with a hoodie on in a cracked neighborhood, and then you will not be in a position where you are likely to, you know, come in contact with a police officer. Number one. Can I just real quick? Uh, yeah. so if you get pulled over by a police officer in a car, Mm-hmm. And no, but you, this is just a matter of racist cops are going to do racist things until they're stopped. We can sit, but every cop is not racist. Well, I said racist cops. I'm specifically talking about the racist cops. Racist mm-hmm. cops who are bent on bringing destruction to black people are going to do that thing until they're put out of position, put out of power, or, 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 or put out of his life. But that's just the way it is. We can sit here and talk about. 
uh, what not to do and what you should do, but all that stuff has been completely, completely uh, uh, um, disproven because people will do if they, if they, if that officer wants to do something to you, he's gonna do something to you, and he don't care about the cameras. If he did said he's gonna do something, he's gonna do something. So what? Well, but I the think point I want to make. The point. I'm sorry. The point I'm trying to make here, and I, I know I'm doing a bad job at it, is this is not a one solution thing. You know, this is a bunch of, it's going to take a variety of solutions. Solution one is the safety of our children. Teach your children how to respond when they get pulled over and teach them where to be, where not to be, and when, and that way they can stay out of positions where they're likely to get arrested. You're right. If you happen to run across a racist cop, he's going to get you anyway. But if, but there are other situations where you get pulled over by a cop that's not racist. You need to learn how to respond, de-escalate the situation. If the cop walks up to you, have a smile on your face instead of a frown, de-escalate the situation. If he asks you to get out the car, just do what he says. Don't argue with him. Don't take off running. That's one thing. And then there's another, okay? The next thing, the next thing is... We have to recognize that all police officers are not racist. Some police officers fall into the prejudicial stereotypes because they're not being rotated. They're put in one community, and that's where they stay. They need to be rotated into different communities so they don't get locked into the same community and and buy into those stereotypes. Also, we need to better police screening. They need to hire better police officers. Uh, When I went into the service, they did a background check on me for a top-secret security clearance, and if they do the same type of background check for these police officers, they will weed out a lot of the races because what they'll do is they'll go on the social media. This is how they catch people who are thinking about attacking America, you know, the, the terrorists. They go on the social media. They investigate people. They find out what groups they belong to on the social media. And then they start interviewing people who know these people and hire better police officers. Number three, you do need body cameras. Number four, and this is the most important, and I'll shut up, I promise. Number four, this is the most important. If you live in a black community, you've got to get involved with your local politics. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, You need to vote. If you feel the urge to, you need to run for public office, you need to apply to be a police officer. Because if you live in a black community, it makes no sense for all the police officers to be white. It makes no sense for all the city councilmen to be white. And it makes no sense maybe even for the mayor to be white. Why is it a 70% black community being ruled by a 30% all white people? That's a good like in case this, is, uh, this, this, this is Rodney. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna do this real quick. Uh, I did sorry to cut you off, but I do want to get Bo back here in here real quick, and uh, because he's been holding for a very long time, and we also have another call as well. So Dale, just hold that thought for one second. I'm gonna pull Bo back in here at four zero four area code one zero four zero four. Last four digits are one zero three seven, and then we have another call as well. And I think Tammy wants to hear this caller. Hey, Rodney. Hey, hey, what's up, bro? Hey, what's going on? I was just listening to the gentleman that called in. Um, and I agree with a lot that he had to say. And 
<clears throat> I have my own thesis about a lot of the things that he said also. Um, first of all, why do we have to uh, dress a certain way to be treated a certain way? Um, when you say racism, it's not racism at all. It's called prejudice. You know what I'm saying? Um, and that's something that has been inbred for a long time. Um, I understand what people are saying, uh, we need to tell our kids this and raise our kids that way. But why do we have to put limitations on our kids when the white folks ain't putting limitations on their kids? Why don't they have to dress a certain way? Why can't they be in a certain place? And, and you know, what, what, what is it called? A, what is, what is a, 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 the ghetto or the, the drug neighborhood? You know, they sell drugs in all neighborhoods. It's just that the police presence are in those neighborhoods like they are in the mostly black community of neighborhoods. When you have a black community neighborhood, it's mostly filled with police officers. you got 70% police officers over there. But then, then the white people over there in, in Buckhead or in places like that, that, that they also have those types of things going on, but there's no police presence there. And it's because the, the, the culture is, is, is mostly white people in an in a, a upper-class or well-to-do area. You know, mm-hmm. so 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 why why do, do we have to to dress a certain way or look a certain way and the other races don't have to do that? They're not being targeted. Why is that so? Hey, hey, so, so this is Ron, and I'm going to answer real quick, and then I'm going to pull in our our our, our next caller and uh, see. I think see I think Tammy was trying to to, to say something. I think Terry okay, said something just then. Let me get in here. Go ahead, Terry. I, I only agree with you about because um, that's my that's my question too. Why why should we have to do that? And I go back to I did hear Dale say, and this this is where I want I wish all of our young people to hear this. Safety first, and and it's it's, it's no need. It's, let me say this: we don't want you to be dead white. We want you to diffuse the situation enough. To get out, but here is what's happening. Here's where we are failing our young people who decide to say, "I'm going to be respectful to this man, this, this officer. I'm going to do what he tells me to do." But they still whoop his butt. It's not killing. When this happens, and this young man has did all of this, why aren't we there to finish it? Why aren't we there by any means necessary to say, "Not another child will go through this"? He does what he did. What you told him to do. He gets out enough. He's alive now. So I agree with you. Why should we have to do that? Because I tell you, there. although we don't see it, there are just as many crimes being committed. Because we have white kids now, and we have white kids who are riding down the street bumping their music. They pull up to me just like the young black man does. But I guarantee you they're not being stopped as much. So why should we? I say we should not have to. But for now, Safety first. So when the young black male is stopped, I say safety first. Don't be dead white. But at the same time, when I put myself in that young man's situation, I can't tell you that I might not think I got to get the hell up out of here at any means necessary. I can't say that I might not take out and go to running because of what I've seen and what I've seen with people who look like me, what they do afterwards. They get all hyped up. They march for a minute, they talk for a minute, and then they go back home and they sit on their ass. Excuse me, but that's what they do. 
this is this is Rodney, and, and, and I'm gonna. <laughs> Boy, yeah, boy, I didn't even realize. Tammy, did you realize, did you realize we only have about twenty minutes left in this show? No, that's true. I have my other topic, and I have we have so many men online, and I gotta bring it up before we get off, just so we can talk about it next week. It's, it's about well, why do we have? I mean, I didn't even get to the huh? Here's what here's what we're gonna do. I'm I'm gonna say this real quick in, in regards to. Um, to, to what's on the on the floor right now, and then we're going to take our next caller, and I'm going to give uh, each one of these men exactly 60 seconds, Henry, Dale, and Bo, 60 seconds to, to make uh, their final comments on, on, on this subject matter, and then we're going to get to uh, uh, what you want to talk about. Uh, this is. And this, I'm not going to be able to cover it tonight, Rodney. But but it was about emotional men. I mean, I wanted to get into which which would so if they want to comment on it, but we'll talk about it later. And all I wanted, I just kind of wanted to hit on not not having emotions, but into your feelings, into your feelings so much so until you cannot operate in that alpha state. You cannot control your house. You cannot be that male that we need today, that, that overseer, that provider, that person who takes control of his house in every in his life, in every state of in situation. So it was about um emotional men being too emotional, too caught up in their feelings to thrive as a man. Oh my goodness. And Lord have mercy, you got four men on the line right now. Yeah. I know I know. I know if their pride isn't hurt, I know, I know they can they can speak on that subject. Oh Lord, we're gonna end up running real late tonight. <laughs> but anyway, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this real quick um, in regards to to uh, what's on the floor right now, and that is this: when it comes to stereotypes um, and how we are perceived as black men and, and, and what's wrong with America today. Here's the thing, and, and Dale said it and Tammy said it, it's always, always, always safety first. You make sure that to the best of your ability, you make it back home every night. You do what you have to do to get back home. It doesn't mean that you will. It just means that if it means that you have to bite your tongue, you bite your tongue, especially if you have a family. Think about the people around you. And then I'm going to say this too, because the question has been put on the floor, why is it that we have to walk around a certain way, but other races don't have to. Well, here's my response to that question. One, the history of this country. We are the only group of people who were forced to come to America. We were forced to because of what we could provide, what we could provide freely as far as labor is concerned. This country has been wrong ever since it started. Everything about it has been completely wrong. The very things that we had issues with Great Britain 
is the same thing that we turned around and did once this country became ours. This country was supposedly found on biblical principles. It was not. The people who founded this country did exactly what we see in our black churches now, and that is use the scriptures for their benefit. They use the scriptures to justify slavery and how it was so right. But but that's another show all in itself. And then the second point I want to make is this before we bring in our caller. The other reason why I think that we're still going through this nonsense is because of what we continue to do. And it's not everybody. A friend of mine asked me, who are you mad at with all of this stuff that's going on in, in America today? And I said, I'm mad at everyone who contributes to the problem. I'm mad at these white men who can't find it in their heart to let go of racism. But I'm also upset with these black men giving people a reason to look at me in a foul way. I consider myself to be a decent black man. But guess what? Every time a black man, especially a young one, goes out here and does something stupid, guess what? They just open the door for people to look at me in a bad way. I can't stand that. I hate it. I shouldn't be judged because of what other black men are doing. But guess what? Because I'm a black man, as much as I hate it, I disagree with it. I don't like it. But it's it's the reality. So as long as black men keep doing the things that we are doing, you're making it bad for everybody else. So that's why Rodney's mission is to go after young black men. Listen, you need to straighten your act up because I don't want people to look at me in a foul way. I want to be able to wear my black hoodie just like a white man can. I want to be able to go out in public and not and people not look at me strange and think that I'm going to rob them because of what you did. So I got a problem with everybody who's contributing to the problem. We're gonna bring in our next we're gonna bring in our next caller who is calling from area code eight zero four. The last four digits are zero nine nine nine. Caller, you are on the air and Tammy is waiting to hear from you. Hello, caller. Uh, caller, hello. Area code eight zero four zero nine nine nine. Okay, maybe maybe we'll maybe we'll get them back. I tried to pull them in, but maybe maybe we'll get them back. Uh, let's go back to Henry. Uh, go ahead, Henry. Well, I would I would tell that caller to hang up and call back because that's what I had to do. He may not be able to get in with that question in the morning. You know what, Rodney? We have we absolutely may have too many. Um, wow, we may have to. Let's see. I, what I did say was I muted everybody. Okay. And it. for some reason it didn't come in. Hold on, hold on one. Hold yeah, on let me one. Henry, let me see if I can try. Let me see if I can try this one more time. Uh, yeah. In fact, caller, do me a favor and press the number one. Okay.
Okay, they pressed the number one. Let's see if it works this time. Uh, area code. Nope, it left. Wait a minute. Uh, area code eight zero four. Last four digits are zero nine nine nine. Thank you, Adam. Carly, you're on the air. Okay, she's she's saying that she's trying to talk, but for some reason it's not letting her. It's not letting her do it. All right, let's check something. Let me try something here. 804-0999. Okay, we have, should not. The only thing, let's see here, we have one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, I, I actually do believe we may just have too many. Wow. Um. Let me try something here. Okay, where did I call it? Go there. I'm gonna I'm gonna try something real quick, Tammy. Hold on. Yeah, I'm doing the same here. So try whatever. Uh, now, um, eight oh four. Can you say something now, please? And you guys forgive us for just a second here. Zero nine nine nine, you're on the air. Okay, not sure. Um, the only other thing is to have her hang up and call back in. Um, we can try that, and let's just get somebody because we're gonna it's nine forty-five. So let's just pull in. Don't know where we are. I think we were with Henry. Uh, let's see. Okay, it's three three zero with the last four digits of four zero nine four. That's me, Henry. Okay, okay, go ahead, Henry. I'm not sure because I was unable to pull you in, so I should be able to pull that caller in. So the only thing I would suggest, caller from eight hundred four, is to hang up and call back in. Henry, if you go ahead in the in the meantime. Um, what I, what I have to say is probably going to probably be another t- show another show topic, <laughs> but. <clears throat> At some point in the game, I know no people don't like to hear this. So I'm already telling you right now, it's going to be a taboo situation. We are supposed to be warriors, and we have lost a lot of that. We're trying to we we become manipulators. We try to find ways to get around this and get around that. And I know that some people don't like to hear me say this, but in my humble opinion, we are already at war. They are militarized and police. They're, you don't bring out your, your your you don't bring out your 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 armed services unless there's an enemy, and you don't you know you don't. They're treating us like we are the enemy, and we are dying as a result of it. And we're trying to find a way to stay alive, but our numbers are still getting picked off. And we we look at that, we march, we pick it, we do all that kind of stuff, but the numbers are still getting picked off, and and we're losing all of our men. You know, and they're cycling them into the prisons and cycling them back out. They become thugs by nature. You know, that's all they know. You you know, once you enter that lifestyle, it's easy for me to do it, and do it again, shoot you down, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, when you come out with felons, you, you, you don't even have a chance. Have so you're going to get in trouble in most cases. So, you know, what's the chances of you not having something on you or whatever, you know? So, and you may have an attitude. 
you know, that attitude was given to you in the prison. So, you know, there's a lot of crooked cops that are selling drugs to the people. When they pull up and you see a guy getting put in the back of a police car, you're thinking that he's over there getting busted. He's over there paying the cop for the drugs that the cop gave him to sell. So if he if something goes wrong, if there's a bad drug deal between him and that cop, he's going to run. Okay, so he so it, everything is not always what it seems. But we need to recognize that at some point in the game, unless the Almighty, uh, unless the Almighty says different, we're going to have to stand up against the people who are trying to kill us. And if we live, we live, and if we die, we die. But this might be all this killing might be the very thing that we might need to be able to to wake up and recognize that we need each other. We're we're too many factions, and like I said, it's not a popular topic. People don't want to talk about it. <clears throat> but if a police officer has a young man on the ground, handcuffed behind his back, and he draws his weapon, they're pounding him, they're pounding him to death. The people around him, the men around him in the area, they need to step to them cops right then and say, if you hit him again, we're gonna hit you. If you're shooting, okay. we're gonna shoot you. I mean, that's hard. That's a hard thing to teach, okay? But we got you on camera. This is no longer legal. We're going to take action. If you shoot him, we're going to shoot you. It's, you already got him handcuffed. There's no reason for that. So there's no fear. They don't have a fear of us. They march into our communities and do whatever they want to do. So, I mean, that's just the gist of it. I don't want to take up anybody else's time. Thank you. I, I, I totally agree, and, and it's, it's, it's sad that we have to come to that level of it, but it, we we also got to stop looking at police as not being human and and look at the condition and the state of people in general today. People are egotistic. They're lost. They're angry. And, and now what you have is all those things that they are, they're now that with police suit and a gun and certain rights and privileges according to them that they feel are unstoppable and as you ended your 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 discussion your part here i thought about the 80 plus year old woman i believe she was 80 something close to it if not in the walmart parking lot who was just kind of had lost her way she really appeared not to know where she was and she probably felt threatened she had a a a knife now you tell me, what does a cop have to do to to get hold of a woman of that age who who like you like you blow on her, blow towards her direction, she's a fall, but instead she cold cocked her, hit her and rushed her to the ground. We and people have their cameras out. I, I'm sorry, there's no way I could have stood there and let that happen. And wouldn't have wanted to have anything to do with anybody who stood there and let that happen to my grandmother, period. But the reason people are not going to do that, Henry, because people are okay with talking about it. They're okay with pulling out that phone camera. But now if you want me to do something that might make, send me to jail, oh, no, I'm not going to do that for you now. I don't care that much about this mission. That's, that's, and that's the, the, the doing part. And the people from before, the people back in the day, they were willing. They were willing to go to jail. They knew probably every time that they went out, they were going to get sprayed, they were going to get the dogs, something. But they were willing because they were down for the change. And not just the cameras. 
and not just for their own egotistic, prideful ways for me to be on camera. They were down for it. You see, if we really be honest with ourselves, we're really down for it because if we were, this wouldn't be continuing to happen. We've been filming since Rodney King. They were filming when it was happening in slavery. When Martin Luther King was marching, they were filming then. We see it. We're able to look at it. And so nothing has changed. Why do we keep thinking, get the cops some body cameras, put some in, you know, in the police cars. Everybody else has cameras and they're filming two people. And yet week after week, month after month, it's happening. We can tell our kids don't sag. We can tell them don't bump your music. We can tell them don't don't skip your car out. But I'm going to tell you, I have a black son who was getting stopped. Asking whose car is this? He has a black basic car. And we were proud thinking, okay, he won't be profiled in this car. No rims, no whatever. But he was getting stopped in his tie, in his shirt, in his slacks. But they want to know whose car is this? Why can't my child have a nice car that he got for graduating from college that we made him wait on? Why can't he drive down the street free in his shirt and tie and his basic black car? So I can only imagine if he had one scooped out, if that was his thing. And so we're not these young black men who are getting pulled over. We're not them, and we don't know their struggle. I certainly don't. But I fear mine being killed by the police more than I do by somebody in the street. And I know if I feel that, I know my young black boys feel the same. I know they feel the same. And so we can say safety first to them. That might be safety first is getting the hell out of there. That might be safety for them in their eyesight. So I think we started this out with are we failing our kids? And we were basically talking about education, talking about parenting. We're failing them here, too, because this should not continue. This should not be going on still. And every time we allow it to, we're telling our young black brother that they can do what they want to you. We'll talk about it. We'll act like we are about it. But at the end of the day, my black brother, we can't do nothing about it. That's what we're telling them. And that's why they ain't going to think safety first. They're going to be like, I'm going to get up out of here. I'll get back with you. And does that excuse them? Absolutely not. But what I'm saying is they're young people. They're in this world. They're going to make some mistakes. And these officers are trained, should be, to know that young 17-year-old, young 16-year-old going to do just what your good President Bush did. He still made president. There ain't no way. Obama could President Obama could have did some of the things that President Bush did and made office. There ain't no way. So number one, we got to realize that we are the minority. That we are looked upon as pure dogs. We are just like they compared us to horses back then. We we don't went from horses to dogs to them. Not all, because we have some great cops. And I don't say that every cop that does not respond. By killing a black man, that I'm a, I hope that he does not respond that way because he is just a good man. 
he's just a good man inside. I'm not going to give up who I am for this job or anybody else. So I can't say the white cop who does not shoot the white person is a bad, is, 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 is just doing a favor because he's a white person. Um, I hope with all my heart that he is just a good cop and he says this is, this is a life. And I hope that cop would do the same for a young black man. Do I know? But that's all I can hope for. Because I do believe there are some good cops out there. I've ran across some. My son has ran across some. But he's also ran across some who, again, profile no matter how he's dressed, no matter what he's doing, because of the color of his skin. And if he is by himself in the middle of the night, I can't sit here as a mother and say, take your chances. I don't know anymore. Take your chances and see if you could be the good little black boy and say, yes, I'm asking, and maybe become free. I can't say that I, I, I don't know. I would let, let him have to judge that situation. And so I'll end with that. I'm going to turn it back over to the men. For, the, for people who are listening, not on the phone, if you want, we'll probably go over a little bit. You may want to call in now, 818-691-7406. And I believe that's for everyone who's not listening by, uh, by way of calling in, 818-691-7406. We'll lose you in about four minutes here. Rodney, are you there? Or did we lose Rodney, too? <laughs> Okay, well, uh, let's see here. Do we have, I don't know where we are here, you guys, and I think, let's see here. 804-0999, are you there with us? Rodney, I think you muted out time. I just pulled you in. Hello? Well, uh, we, we, we have her on the line now. Tamari, uh, I just heard you say hello. Uh, go ahead. Hi, everyone. Um, well, I'll try to be quick. <laughs> um, what I was going to say is a lot of this is psychological, and I'm a diversity facilitator for my company, and one of the things that we discuss is the conformational behavior model, and it kind of covers a lot of the different topics that you all discuss, meaning that beliefs that we hold, uh, whether it's through a situation we experience or something in our past or what we've been told by our parents, those beliefs, tend to result in actions which cause a result. And what I mean by that is, say, for instance, we're in a store, and the example that you guys use is the the young man with his pants hanging down. Well, if that man goes in the store, and because his pants aren't on his waist, the cashier may treat him differently than she's treated everyone else in the store, which in turn, he may end up with an attitude, but he has an attitude because of what she did first, which in turn confirms what she already believes is that he's a thug and he's not going to buy anything anyway. So people treat different individuals differently based on their own held biases, regardless of what that person does. So the reason why a Caucasian man can wear the same thing that a black man can wear and the way they're treated is differently is because of a tightly held belief that people have. That being said, it starts within each one of us and each one teach one and help other individuals recognize their own bias it's like if you don't love yourself you can't love anyone else but until everyone recognizes their own bias we're going to keep on perpetuating the system 
of psychological biases towards different people, which causes us to act differently. And then it pretty much is a vicious cycle that keeps going because the same thing keeps happening over and over. And we justify it because that's what we believe. Hmm. Wow. And, Samaria, what is, what is your profession? Diversity? I think I heard you say diversity. Um, I'm a diversity facilitator for my company, but I'm also the talent management lead for the company. Um, so I've been doing diversity for a few years, but it, it's really interesting, these topics. Um, and I, I shared with Rodney a while ago when I was crossing the street. The problem with a lot of different situations is we can't put ourselves in the same shoes as someone else. Um, most of the time we can't, especially when it comes to race. Like the example of a pedestrian and a driver, when you're a driver, you relate to other drivers. When you're a pedestrian, you relate to pedestrians. So you want the cars to slow down. You want them to allow you to cross the street without coming across um, the pedestrian walk area. But when you're a driver, you think like a driver, and you're just trying to get from point A to point B. The difference is you have most of us, I should say, not everyone, has an opportunity to switch their perspective because they can then become the driver. But when it comes to race, I can never be white. I'm a black woman. Hmm. So the only thing I can do is address whatever biases I may have and deal with myself first and then help others. So I have to remove any planks that I have in my own eye before I can point out the specks in other people's eyes. And we all have issues in America. The problem is no one wants to admit what their issue is. They say it's them. It's those people. Good point. Great point. I mean, great point. I love the example of the pedestrian is going to think like the pedestrian, but when we're driving, we we expect now something totally different. I mean, that is people need to hear that and receive that. Um and if we'd all be honest, we've all bought into this, I won't say idea, but we've bought into what we um, are, how we're looked upon, I would say. And I say that because I remember in class, um, we were, I, my professor, and this has been years and years and years ago, um, in, in college, the professor asked, you know, if you are, and I believe it was a psychology class, if you are out in the middle of the night and several men are approaching you, um, one round of them are white and the next round of them are black, which do you fear the most and why? And like it or not, you guys, at that time, I, I mean, I, I would I would have feared being hurt more by the people who look like me. And some people will be, you know, you might think that's wrong and not. It is what it is. And it may be because the system has said and we continue to see. I remember just the other day saying, I wonder how many crimes are committed by people who don't look like me that does not make the news. So it's so much. But, but first I have to identify with that. And I have to try to change that because I don't want to look at my black brother and think that I'm that I fear you more than the other person because it's not right. So then, if I felt that way, then how really can I blame this white person for feeling the same? But well, we don't want to address and talk about that. 
but it is what it is. Why? I don't know. But in order to find out, we've got to be serious with ourselves and be honest with ourselves and each other and find a way, like Rodney was saying, then the dressing part and all that, I get young people want to be young and do what they do just like we had our fad in, back in the day. But some of the things I've seen this past week, we had a group of children jump on a man, I mean beat a man at a gas station. And my understanding is because he was trying to protect somebody else. And this looked like they mobbed him. I can't blame the white person for that. I can't blame him. I can't blame if a cop would have came up there and had to take his weapon out. I can't blame him for that. So I'm saying every situation is not a racist situation. Every cop that is caught up in that situation is a racist cop. But what I am saying, what's happening now has to stop. Has to. And I'm at the point by any means necessary. Never thought I would have gotten to that point. Never thought. So to me, great, great, great point. I mean, I love the analogy that you shared because we don't we don't think about it that way. You know, I want you to act accordingly if I'm driving. I want you to, to respect me as a driver, but when I become a pedestrian, then now I want all the respect there. Great way to look at it. Yeah, it's tough, though. I can't I can't sit here in front and say there aren't times that I don't get frustrated, like when I see the news and I know that there's a difference. And I've watched my family members be harassed by the police and put in handcuffs when I know my cousin was in the house with me. So I get it. But it's those experiences, I think, that teach us. Um, And I know for me, I've been blessed to be able to travel outside of the country. And I had to check myself because I was frustrated in Mexico because of how I was being treated, being an African-American woman. But then I realized this is how Americans treat them. And then then it all made sense, and I was like, I can't be mad at them because if they don't know any better, then they're not going to do any better. So the only person I can change is myself. I can't say day one I felt that way. You but I was what? glad that God opened my eyes. I think I think uh, this is Rodney again, and I think that is very key. When you know better, you tend to do better. I'm going to bring uh, Dale, Dale back in here real quick as me try to end this show. I'm going to try to give everybody – uh, just a minute or so just to uh, share the final thoughts. We've had a lot of callers to uh, press the number one, and I'm so glad that we have it. By the way, uh, Tamaria is the person that we were talking about earlier. That is my fabulous boo. And as you all can see, she's very intelligent. She's just fabulous. But anyway, uh, we're going to go back to Dale real quick. Uh, go ahead, Dale. Um, can you hear me? Yep, yep. We got you. Okay. Okay, good. Um, there's been so much. <laughs> uh, number one, um, as far as uh, the citizens uh, uh, helping other citizens with the police officers and, and everything, uh, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Okay, I'll just leave it at that. You know, uh, we can't get into the frame of mind to where we think that uh, we're going to start uh, fighting police officers, shooting police officers, this, that, and the other. If you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. Concerning what the lady said, um, she's dead on point. She's actually listed a few of our unlimited education concepts. One of them is empathy education. Empathy education is important. You have to be able to 
to educate children on how to put themselves in other people's shoes so that when they become adults, they're able to put themselves in other people's shoes. And that's how people understand what other, you know, how other people feel under certain circumstances and situations. Uh, that's empathy education. Uh, number three, I just want to point everybody to an article I wrote uh, on the Change the World blog, if you guys don't mind me getting a shameless plug in. Um, is www.thechangetheworldmovement.com, right there on the home page. The article is called Police Brutality, Racial Injustice, America at War with Itself. Uh, it's a comprehensive look at this entire problem, and uh, I've listed out uh, all of the so solutions I believe that would be effective. So if everyone would, uh, on your spare time, Take a moment and read that article uh, on the Change the World blog, www.thechangetheworldmovement.com. I think it's, uh, you'll be very interested in it. Hey, hey, Dale, is it also on Facebook? Can't tell them, but just for the sake of them really getting it, can they get it through Facebook as well, right? Let's change the world. If they sure, I can post it on your page. I I can post a link to it on you and uh, Rodney's page. Uh, I, I'm, I'm connected with Henry. I can post it on his page, too, if, if he doesn't mind. Okay. okay. And I'll share it on um, on Bo's page, on the people who were on tonight that we know that spoke. So, yeah, just post it there, and I'll share it out. Sure. It's long. If you don't like to read, you're not going to like it. But uh, it's it's long because it's very comprehensive. No, no, no problem. No problem here, Dale. Uh, we thank you so much for being on. We're gonna bring in some more of these uh, calls to get some uh, final thoughts. Uh, once again, that's Dale Davis. He's with uh, Let's Change the World Movement. Please look him up. He's doing some great things uh, down in South Florida uh, with morals, values, and ethics education. Uh, not just in South Florida, though, but all over the country. Uh, we're going to bring in, uh, we never did pull in this call. I don't know if it's the same person or not, but area code 404, last four digits, 9287. Call you on the air. Hey, what's going on, Rodney? Good evening, sir. It's Troy in D.C. Hey, good evening, man. What's going on? All right, man. Uh, great show. Uh, good evening to you, Tammy. Um, yeah, so this is a great show. So I, I just want I'll be quick. Um, one of the gentlemen, I think his name might have been Henry earlier, you know, asked the question, why do I have to dress, you know, a certain way to be accepted a certain way and so on and so forth? And my answer to this, and I'm playing a little bit of devil, devil's advocate, is uh, you got to assimilate. This is America. And when we look at other communities, other uh, immigrants that come to the United States, that move into the hood, that move into black neighborhoods, people from Jamaica that look black, but they come from a different culture, especially back in the day, they assimilated. They went to the same schools, the same public schools, but oftentimes these West Indians, these Asians that go to schools in the hood in the Bronx, they outperform the people that are from the country, that are from the place. They assimilate the behavior to the successful aspects of mainstream America. Meanwhile, African Americans, we have a history, and it's somewhat rightful, but it comes from 
an understandable place, but we rebel too much. And whereas back in the day we might have been rebelling against the system while people from other countries came here and assimilated to the system. Now in the streets we got young black men that are rebelling for, you know, rebelling and doing it in the most ignorant way. And, um, you know, when you look back in the, back in, uh, let's see, like 1968 or so, there was a senator, a white man, his name was uh, Daniel Patrick Moynihan. He wrote a book or a paper, a white paper, that might have been called something like The Negro Family. And he talked about in the, in the, in the 60s and so right after civil rights, with a lot of the government programs that are going on, it is destroying the black family. And I don't want to get into that paper, but, you know, it's out there. You can look it up. But 50 years later, everything that this man talked about came true. We are seeing it in, in, in our communities. The other thing I want to touch on is this silly Black Lives Matter thing. Here in D.C., I'm seeing a lot of young white people out here protesting. Black people in the hood, we got to understand, black lives have to matter to us. How can you respect white people or whoever to respect you if it appears you do not respect yourself? And the other thing, and, you know, I think the gentleman, Henry, he said, you know, very wise, you know, I don't want to be like a fire starter, but he did, you know, he said, hey, we should not get in the mindset of shooting cops and all that. But I will also say, hey, if you got people, eat, they could have a badge on or they could have a do-rag on. If they are destroying your neighborhood, you've got to check them. Over there in Brooklyn and some of those seceded Jewish neighborhoods, you can't even go in their neighborhood, especially if you're black. And the police don't even go in their neighborhood. If somebody gets hurt, if there's a crime in a Jewish neighborhood, they don't even call 911. They, call their, they have their own police and emergency medical technicians that show up. And if it's that bad, then they call 911. So, you know, that term black community doesn't exist because black, black people don't control anything in the communities. So I just went on a little rant, but, hey, great show, man. I'm going to be listening more. I'm going I'm to I'm uh, drop out and just listen. We, we, we thank you so much, Paula, for being on with us. Uh, please, please, please join us every Monday at 9 p.m. Eastern time uh, next week. <laughs> We're going to be talking about emotional men, so I know that's going to uh, serve some juicy conversation, man. So definitely uh, come back on with us. Um, real quick, we're going to go back to Bo. Uh, Bo, go, go ahead uh, with your final words for the people. Hey, how you doing, Rodney? Hey. Hey. I was, you know, I was really just basically going to listen, you know what I mean, and let some of the other people share um, I was I was quite enjoying uh, hearing from the uh, other callers that called in. They had a lot of nice things to say. Um, I don't know, man. You know what I'm saying? It's just it's it's, it's a lot. It, even the young lady that called in, that was from uh, uh, some uh, organization or another, something that she did. I forget quite what it was. Um, was it, what she was talking about diversity and everything. Even she had <clears throat> some good aspects. On some things and you know something to, you know decent to say about what's going on in this world, but uh, like I said, you know, it's it's just it's far from over. I mean, we haven't even really begun um, to take a stand where we really need to take stand. Uh, some of us, I, I can say some of us, I can't say all of us, 
for some of us, uh, more not than it, there is that is doing anything. Um, I'm one of those type of people who, who, uh, who's, who's all for change and trying to, to better our situation. Because as a, as a man, you know, growing up, you were taught that, you know, men don't cry. You know I mean, that's a, that's a complex situation to a man. Um, you were considered weak or you were considered um, homosexual if they saw you crying because strong men didn't cry. At least that's how it was in my household. But I'm a firm believer to know that if you don't cry, you know what I'm saying, as a man, tears don't make you weak. You know what I mean? What makes you weak is a lack of strength, a lack of stability in your mind, a lack a lack of motivation within yourself and uh, to cause change to yourself and others. That's what makes you weak. You know, but men do cry. You know, without crying, then you can't care. And if you don't care, then there will never be a change. You know what I'm saying? Um so those things that you typically learn as a kid that you grew up with doesn't necessarily mean that they have to be right. You know, the Bible says when you're a child, you think as a child, but when you grow up and become of age, you put childish things away and you become a man. So today I know different for myself. You know, like you can't just tell me anything about the Bible. I pick it up and read it for myself to find the truth. So like anything else, you know what I'm saying, we have to, uh, we have to pull together, man, to, to do something. You know, I, like I said, I've started tightening up ministries to uh, reach out to our young folks. And I get calls all the time. I get texts. I get, um, you know, uh, messages sent through Facebook uh, about this situation or that situation. And, you know, I may not have a solution to every problem, you know, an answer for every problem. But, you know, together we can come to some solutions to help with some of the problems so that they lessen. And as long as they're lessening and things are getting better. As long as they're getting better, then your attitude of change is more apt to happen. So, you know, that's what I'm doing. You know, it's not going to change overnight because the problem didn't occur overnight. But we got to start somewhere. And as long as we're starting somewhere, Rodney, Tammy, then change can be made. And that's all I'm going to say for tonight. Yes, yes, it can. And, Bo, I'm going to say this real quick. You you can't be talking about the young lady. That, that was that – was, that was Tamaria. You got to know who Tamaria is now. We can't send you no invitation if you don't know who Tamaria is. <laughs> that was my first time hearing her. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know you're so, you're that was so my used first to time. Seeing, you're so used to seeing her beautiful picture on picture on my Facebook page. I can dig it, man. But you got to know you got to know who the lady of that a uh, lady of that hour is, uh, Bo. Okay. Okay, you know, I never met her before, you know what I mean, until I apologize, you know what I'm saying, but she did have a lot of good things to say, you know what I mean, I, I've been listening now, I ain't been nowhere, between making me something to, to drink, uh, some crackers to snack on, I've been listening, <laughs> I've been listening, <laughs> and I must be yes, sir. It has to be very, very, very smart, so since I don't carry that title, you know, I had to find a, a a young lady who did. So you know, I, I need I, I need hey. a very I need a very intelligent woman. So you know, I, I so glad, so glad that the oh, Lord yeah. said Mary, to marry you my way. Uh, yeah, yeah I was listening to her. Real quick, real quick before we uh, before we uh, 
move on. Uh, Tammy, I just want to give a special shout-out to one of my uh, dear colleagues um, who's right here in uh, the Northern Virginia area. Uh, they're in Fredericksburg. I won't give out any names or anything, but one of my dear colleagues, um, is listening to the show. I'm so glad that she is. And this is somebody we need to have on the show in the future. This lady is, and you want to talk about some fire and someone who's not afraid to tell the truth. She is, she is definitely the person. Uh, so, uh, special shout out to her, uh, for tuning in tonight, and, and she actually has to be at work before I do, and I have to be there very early. So I do want to thank her for calling into the show. Uh, Henry, any final words before Tammy uh, Tammy comes back on? Yeah, just, uh, we, we're going from thriving to now we're focusing on surviving. And, you know, when I talk about you know, that we need to be warriors and we may need to step to certain situations and handle it like men and man up. <clears throat> one of the one of the things that people say that uh the beggar differ with me, uh, is that we don't wrestle with against flesh and blood. But I just wanna say that usually people who say that I, I kinda of felt being a little hypocritical. Because if you're sitting at home with your husband and your wife and your three year old and somebody kicks that door down and let's just say they don't have a knife or gun or nothing, they say, I'm going to rob you and rape your wife and take your kid out the room. Well, there's going to be some wrestling with flesh and blood. And if you don't do that, then the man is not considered being a man because he, as part of his spiritual position, he needs to hold that fort. And I'm saying that collectively the men are supposed to hold the fort of the community. And when people are coming in, slaying your people, not only do you have to check them, but you also got to check your own people, which goes back to what the brother said before about people policing their own. I'm all for us creating a, a, a sovereignty among ourselves. But that's what, that's what I just want. Hey, hey, Henry, why don't you go ahead, because you didn't. Um, get, tell them a little bit about, because we still have callers out there. If you don't mind, tell them a little bit about what you're doing and how they can, people can connect with you. So use this opportunity to do that. Uh, I'm a full-time artist. I do art for a living for the last 14 years, and I do portraits and illustrate books and whatnot. But one of my major projects at the moment is uh, creating black superhero comic books to create positive imagery in media and creating, you know, and, and, and the goal is to turn it into a movie. Uh, and I'm in a, that, that's, that book should be available this month. Uh, it's, it's called The Island of Yehuda, which is um, the Hebrew word. But basically the premise is that, you know, all black people are invited to come to an island that's been bought by this king to build our own civilization. So it it expands the thinking on how will we build our own world and what laws will we have and what will we eat and what will we grow and what will our dress clothes be and how will we do things. Will we create another carbon copy of what we came out of or will we do something original? And uh, the newest project, that I'm starting is also going to be addressing the police uh, brutality, taking everybody's points of views and bringing it into the comic book and then showing you how those things would look if we actually implemented them. Would they work? Would they would not work? So it's kind of give you like a, a dry run of what you think your solution might be and how it might actually work or not work. So just I'm always doing something on the, on the creative tip when that matters. Oh, and how you yep. contact me, 
my my email is uh, Henry H E N R Y Garden G A R D E N Art A R T at Yahoo dot com. And if you want to see a little bit of my art, it's uh, Henry Garden Art dot com. Okay, great. Well, I need anything before I um, get started because you know I have a way of not stopping. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm actually, I'm actually, uh, I'm, I'm not going to add anything else because we have had some great, great, great uh, conversation tonight. Uh, I'm so thankful for uh, for Dale, for Henry, for Bo, for Tamaria, for all of our listeners. Uh, it was so funny uh, that we actually lost some listeners uh, early on, and, and, and Tammy, you said, that's all right, we'll, we'll get some more. And, and it was so funny that other people started calling in. Uh, they started seeing things on Facebook because we were posting people's comments, and so people started come, uh, calling in or um, listening online. So to everyone who tuned in to the show tonight, I just want to say thank you. I know uh, Tammy has some things that she wants to share. I, um and then I, I, all I'm going to do, Tammy, is just close it out. I do want to say this one thing real quick. Um, please support uh, Tamaria. Uh, if you are on Facebook, please uh, type in the Mentor Boutique in the search engine, and it will come up. Uh, it's something that Tamaria started uh, recently, um, and I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, and you heard her speak not too long ago. Um, you want to talk about Proverbs 31, that virtuous woman. You want to talk about that phenomenal woman. She is definitely it. Um, please support what she's doing, and I guarantee you, you will not be disappointed. Anything you need help with, I wouldn't be surprised if she can help you with it. So definitely check out the Mentor Boutique on Facebook. Tammy, it's back to you. Just let me be the DJ, as always, when the show is about to end. That's all I ask. For sure, for sure, for sure. <laughs> you, you know I, you know, I have fun with that. Yeah, I, I just want to say, you guys, and I'm, I want to speak to the men, and, and I brought up the question, and I didn't bring this up as, as a means to degrade um, or make men feel bad about having emotions. There was a time not so long ago that I put a lot of um, responsibility on women, and I think I did that because I felt like if 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 I could think, if I could do it, then so can you. If I can make sacrifices, if I can choose to just put those tears on my pillow and make my son think that hey, we I got this, we got this, everything's fine. I felt like so can you, regardless of who's around. And I'm not taking mm-hmm. that. But what I want to say to our men, I sit and I listen, and I know a lot of people probably have noticed, like, Tammy has become mute. Because <laughs> I used to talk a lot of it. I still do, but not nearly as much as I used to. It's because I, I just love to hear the men come together. And I love to hear the feedback. I love to hear what you have to say, what you think, whether I agree or disagree. does not matter. And I say that because it is time for men to 
to set the tone for our young men, for our young girls, for our older guys who did not quite get it, and for our older women who who has not gotten it either. It is time for you to take responsibility and set the tone everywhere you go. Every room you walk into, I don't care if it's the bathroom at the truck stop on Highway 40, you walk in and you take over the air. And that is what we need. I truly feel like if you set the tone, if you start to tell the woman who's coming after you, no, i got to say no because I want more than just your what's between your legs. Because some women, most women think that's what they got to do to get you, yet they are still without a man who truly loves them. But they keep opening their legs. And so this has trickled down to our young girls. And what all of them are looking for is for men to step up and set the tone. And I say, I don't care what your story is. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you come from. Let your story be your glory. Let your story set the tone for someone else who has that same story. That is when, this is when we will see change. Our young people are looking, looking for men step up. It was designed that way. It is no mistake. And that's what I meant. We we can have men crying because it's raining outside and they wanted to go shoot ball. I mean, really, I'm sorry. We just cannot. We cannot. And that's what I meant by emotional being too caught up in your feelings to keep it moving. To keep it moving. I'm not saying you can't be emotional about some things. I'm not saying men, both out of men crying. I think that's healthy. But when you get finished crying, set that tone. Make sure it's set before and make sure it's set after. And that's, I, I just love it and I I I, I pray I shared Rodney with uh, shared this with Rodney when we did the leading men. My prayer was that something come out of that to where men start to join together, whether it be in conversation and then later doing something in great numbers. You know, we have our celebrities doing it. We have Steve Harvey bringing the kids together, Disney, whatever that is. But you guys, that's once a year. That's once a year. And not to toot my horn, but you guys, I never stopped. I never stopped. I feel I felt so overwhelmed and so overloaded today until my head hurt practically all day. My son is 26 years old. I should have stopped this game a long time ago. I can't. I cannot watch another child that's in my eyesight. I cannot watch this child fail. I don't care who they are, black, white, the little girl I spoke about earlier, she is not of my race. 
And I'm sitting here talking to her till one thirty in the morning. I could have went to bed. I cannot sleep when a child is in need, and that means really I should not be sleeping at all. And I'm not talking about giving them, giving them things that they don't need. Because if it was my way, I'd take every cell phone from a child under the age of 16. They wouldn't have a computer or anything. You wouldn't be nowhere where you need a phone. Because if I, if I feel like you need a phone where you are, guess what? You don't, you don't get to go. Or I get to sit outside or maybe even come in. That was the kind of parent Brandon Gator had. I dropped him off, stuck around, came up in the party, and stood on the wall. You want to stay, baby? <laughs> and I stay, too. If you don't want to see me here, then we all go. You don't get to see <laughs> it is. And so I just say, man, set the tone. I'm going to read this quote, and I promise you it's going to be the last words you hear tonight from me. Just for tonight, though. I'm trying to pass over to you, Rodney. This is a Frederick Douglass quote, which is, he's my favorite, favorite, favorite person to read about. The quotes, and again, Frederick Douglass. Um, And this is how it goes. I have observed this in my experience of slavery, that whenever my conditions was improved, instead of it increasing my contentment, it only increased my desire to be free and set me to thinking of plans to gain my freedom. I have found that to make a contented slave, it is necessary to make a thoughtless one. It is necessary to darken his moral and mental vision, and as far as possible to annihilate the power of reason. He must be able to detect no inconsistencies in slavery. He must be made to feel that slavery is right, and he can be brought to that only when he ceased to be a man. And that's a Frederick Douglass quote. Go back and read it. Study Frederick Douglass. And I, I say that because, you guys, if people can come through slavery, and he's the one that says, you can have my body, but you will never enslave my mind. The world is feeding your mind. We talked about scandal. We talked about empire. We got cell phones. The mind never stops. It never rests. Our children have become thoughtless. They can't peel a potato if they know what one is. So men set the tone. Rodney? Tammy? That was that was powerful. That was powerful. And as we close out this show, and I always try to be profound and be prophetic as we close out this show, but I'm not going to do that tonight because you have heard the truth. And we didn't even get to So many topics tonight. Two hours just wasn't enough. There was a whole lot that we wanted to talk about, but we just couldn't get to it. And we kind of figured that that would happen. 
But as we close out, there are a couple of things that I do want to make you all aware of, so I hope that you will uh, hang on with us as I make these announcements. The first one is we're working on an education summit that's going to be here in Northern Virginia at George Mason University, the Prince William campus. And we're going to be talking about what's wrong with our educational system here in the United States. And we've hit on a lot of things tonight. And one of them is accountability. And so you're going to you're you're going to hear more of that at our at our education summit. But that's going to be Saturday, September 26, 2015, and it's going to be all day. It's a Saturday. We hope that you all can make it. We're going to have panelists from all over the country coming to speak on education because our educational system is messed up, starting at the top with the people in charge. You heard Dale talk about morals, values, and ethics. Guess what? So many things are being left out, and it needs to be corrected. Our kids are suffering in our schools today. They're suffering. They're not being educated. So not only are they not getting what they need at home, but they're not getting what they need in school either. And guess what? It's not the teacher's fault. Teachers don't make policies. We don't. And unless you have a teacher who is just bold enough to say, you know what, I'm going to give these kids what they need and suffer the consequences later, your child is going to be pushed through the system, whether they can read or not, whether they know their math facts or not, whether they know history or not, whether they can adjust and adapt in life or not. But do you know what's going on in your child's school? Do you know what's going on in our educational system? Do you know? Do you care? We're going to be talking about that on September 26, 2015, and we hope that you can be there. We hope that you can be there. The next thing is uh, the host of the Priceless Mind show, Miss Sherry Poelinitz. Uh, she was on listening um, and tuned in with us tonight. Uh, she will be on Wednesday. Uh, she's on every Wednesday at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. She's on Blog Talk Radio as well. Uh, you could listen to her show by dialing 347-326-9139. Again, that's 347-326-9139, and that's the Priceless Mind Show with Ms. Sherry Poelinitz. And then we also had Dale Davis on with us tonight. He's another Blog Talk Radio Show host. He's on every Sunday night at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Dale is on Facebook. So is uh, uh, Sherry. Excuse me. And you can listen to... Dale's show every Sunday night, 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The call-in number is 
718-739-8909. Again, that's 818-739-8909. Please support Let's Change the World Movement and Radio Show and also the Priceless Mind Show. Next week, Sammy, I think this <laughs> this show next week is going to be off the hook talking about emotional men. I think we're going to get a whole lot of perspectives next Monday night. <laughs> ben? I'm ready. <laughs> Until then, everybody, we love you. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for hanging in there with us. We are 40 minutes past the time that we were supposed to end, but who's counting? School teachers don't go to sleep. We only take naps. Until next Monday, this is Rodney and Sammy. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Butterfly Evolution Show. We pray that you have a blessed week, and we'll talk to you again soon. Good night, everybody.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.